All right, so good morning. Welcome to the fourth day of Dawn of Dharma. And we've been going through uh, five areas where the Buddha um, pointed out that we tend to get caught up and um, in ways that we would cause suffering for ourselves through our uh, relationship to experience. And um, today we'll go on to one of the most amazing of these areas, the area of mental fabrication. So um, we've talked about yesterday, we're now into the realm of the mind, and yesterday we talked about perception, which is just our basic labeling of what's happening. And even that is quite fraught with our own history and other things that have gotten entangled with it. But now we move into the realm of what's called, there isn't a really good term for it, they all sound a little technical, but they're called mental fabrications or formations or volitional formations. I've also heard them called preparations, which I kind of like. But it's the way that the mind constructs its experience in terms of meaning and story and intention and thought and emotion and the more complex functions of the mind. We don't keep things simple, do we? <laughs> we go off in various ways. And, um, you know, there are the unskillful ways that we go off, and we'll talk about that in terms of just discursive thinking. But even in a person who is um, relatively present, you know, you know, in a, a period of mindfulness, or if they're uh, an awakened person, there's still uh, the construction in the mind of what's going on in order to be able to relate to experience. And that's, this is a huge area of development. It goes very deep. So we'll talk about maybe some, some of those different levels. I was reminded of this little verse by Wumen Huikai, the Zen master who compiled the Gateless Gate. He writes, 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. So in some sense, of course, it's talking about the life cycle and you know, we shouldn't wish that we were older when we're young and wish that we're younger when we're old. You know, that's um, in a basic sense what's often referred to with the seasons. But the, just the more general statement, if your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, speaks to the way we tend to put more onto experience. We create meaning around something. Uh, you know, there's the, the snow in winter, and but it isn't just snow in winter. It becomes this huge thing. It becomes a problem. It becomes a meaning. It becomes, you know, why I need to look a certain way. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And all that clouding is actually um, called dukkha. <laughs> That's what um, these extras that we add are one of the things that the word dukkha refers to in Buddhism. So, you know, anytime that we're thinking that what's happening isn't what should be happening, that's a problem. And so that's that clouding that we do. So, for example, I mean, just to give a very everyday <clears throat> orientation of how we relate to things. Consider that um, these days we sometimes see people wearing masks out in public. And if that was a year ago, we would have said, hmm, that's odd, or 
you know, maybe they've been to Asia where people do wear masks just when they get a cold, and that's actually considered normal, but we don't usually do that. But now, if, if we had seen that like a month ago, we would have said, oh, you know, that's a, uh, that looks useful. I wish I had one of those. <laughs> I didn't get one of those in the store, you know? Um, and so we would see it as something positive. Oh, that's, or maybe it's, oh, that's nice. They're, they're wearing that to protect themselves or I should get one of those. But now maybe yesterday you saw someone with a mask and your thought was, hey, the healthcare workers don't have enough of those. Why are they wearing that? You know why? And so the, it's all the same thing. It's the same perception, person wearing a mask, but the story is totally different. Why? Because it's conditioned. You know, what story we put on things is conditioned by our past, by the things that we're taking in, by what people around us are telling us, by what we give value to internally. Do we believe things on the news or not? Um, that has an effect also on what you're going to see. Suppose there would be someone who thinks this is all still a government hoax and sees a mask and says, oh, they bought in. So we don't know. The, the interpretation is very variable. And this is also a huge cause of conflict in the world, right? Is that your interpretation is different than someone else's. So we're not going to learn through Buddhism the right interpretation. I'm sorry to disappoint you if that's what you were hoping that practice leads to. What we're going to see is exactly what I'm describing, the conditionality of meaning that we put on things. That's where the freedom is, is to know that there's flexibility, to know what conditions are, are contributing to our current interpretation of what's going on. And then we're not just left with you know, the kind of deconstruction. We're also given a way that we can relate to things, not because it's the absolute truth, but because it leads us toward freedom and awakening. If that's what you're interested in, then we would choose those kinds of fabrications. So I got a little bit into the depth of this already. What I was um, wanting to offer first was um, also just some strategies in case the mind is uh, running away with stories that are disturbing or scary or not useful to us, clearly not useful. Um, there are actually, you know, this is well known that the mind does this, especially when we meditate and become more sensitive. You know, we have, we're opening to more things by sitting and, and being mindfully aware. And so if we're not prepared, the mind will kind of run off with that. So there are a number of strategies if the mind is obsessing. That's the word for it. So if the mind is obsessing or proliferating and you're, you become aware of that and wish it weren't happening, the first thing you can do is literally turn your mind to something else. Once you've seen, just maybe just cognitively through the example I gave, you've seen that there are multiple options, choose a different one to the degree that you can. So every time we catch our mind running off and it may do it multiple times, we just turn it back toward, maybe toward that phrase I offered yesterday, oh, nothing is permanent, personal or perfect, or toward um, a thought of metta, oh, may I, May I be free of this proliferation in the mind or a thought of um, compassion or something else or even something neutral. I actually prefer uh, to turn toward the body and the breath. The body is always just grounded in the present moment. The mind can do anything, but the body is here. And so returning to body sensations, also a good strategy for grounding a mind that's 
doing its own thing. Another thing that we're encouraged to do is to um, just briefly, not in a, at all a self-incriminating way, but to reflect on the disadvantages of allowing the mind to be caught in things that are clearly not helpful for it. Um, one of the main disadvantages is that if we're busy caught in rumination and contraction, we're not very helpful to other people. We're not available. We're not receptive and responsive. Uh, so if we care about not only ourselves, but about others, uh, it, it actually behooves us to stay present in a calm way and not allow our mind to contract and get caught up and we're uh, spreading that to other people. So um, this can uh, sometimes interrupt that cycle and then we can do the first method, turn and towards something useful, method compassion in the body. Um, and then I'll, I'll just offer a third one. Uh, there are many offered in the teachings, of course. This one's more subtle, but many of us um, have some ability to feel in the body through mindfulness practice, this, this sort of energy of the body, the energy of the system, sometimes our agitation. In fact, we can feel as ping pong balls bouncing around inside or heat or um, some uh, disturbance of vision. So something that we can feel physically into the energy of it. And then you can actually tune into that energetic level and just calm it down you know, through the exhale, through connecting to something larger like the sky, the trees, other things. We can work at an energetic level with agitation and just settle it out. Um, you know that it started, so you know it can end. That's a wise reflection on impermanence. So just helping the mind to not um, create fabrications and constructions that are unhelpful to being able to go forward. So if you are, because um, you're sheltered at home, maybe in a somewhat calmer, less stimulated state, um, it can be possible to start exploring uh, the arising and passing away of these interpretations, of these mental fabrications. And I started to get into that little bit earlier is that um, these things have causes and conditions that support them and if you can even and, and if you're having one it's the perfect time to observe what the conditions that support it are and so you can turn your mind toward you know what is going on with this not some past explanation about you know why am I running off on uh, an interpretation of seeing someone with a mask maybe it's because of what my father said to me in my childhood that can be appropriate sometimes, but it's um, more immediate. But if, if you're having those thoughts right now, conditionality says the conditions for them are there. And when those conditions end, of course, you won't have it anymore. So right now is where you can look for the conditions and the causes of your mind being the way it is. Not the, you don't need the past for that. And so it's interesting to see, well, let's see. It's because, usually it's because we believed something. So it's because we're believing something, we have a view about something, we have a story about something, and that is fueling the mind, um, continuing to create a certain way of seeing things. And so we can ask, sometimes dropping in a little question can be helpful. Like, what am I believing right now? It may not be easy to see, but that very question can, can start to interrupt the cycle of the mind. Uh, you may not necessarily get an answer to these questions, by the way. Another thing you can drop in is, 
what would I have to let go of for this to be easier? So it invites the mind to discover where it's holding on in order that that could release a bit. Um, and then maybe in the space that's created, we can again turn the mind toward things that we actually do value and believe in. Things like metta, compassion, generosity, patience, all the good qualities of mind that we know are described in the Eightfold Path and that we know we care about in our heart. Um, these are times when we can forget those temporarily. But every time that we realize that's happened, we have an opportunity to consciously reintroduce them. This um, one of the fancy words for this uh, mode that we're talking about is volitional formations. They involve the volition. It's fine to intentionally inject uh, generosity or patience or wisdom into what we're doing. So I just want to end with um, a poem. Uh, written by one of my favorite poets, Rosemary Chalmer, called Lucky. There are days when we know we are lucky, when we go for a walk and find, beneath dead leaves, yellow petals, when an envelope brings a surprise check, when a loved one calls to say they will visit, when our name is pulled from a hat. And then there are days our luck is less clear, when the commercial world as we know it collapses, when the schools and restaurants and whole towns are closed, when our paycheck is gone and we can't pay next month's rent, when loved ones' lives are threatened. Yes, then it's much harder to say we are lucky. But every day, every day for the last week, Every day when I wake, I think to myself, this, this is the day to make a difference. This is the day to bring your best self to the world. This is the day to shine and work and forgive. Every cell in me is wildly alive. Every moment feels like a gift. Every minute feels like an invitation to show up more open, more vulnerable, more brave than I ever dreamed I could be. And damn, if that isn't lucky, I don't know what is. So it's all in the interpretation, isn't it? Have a wonderful day.